Thank you for joining us at Conversations to Inspire. This is part two of a two-part series with Rick and Beth Olson. They are authors of the book, We Never Left You, and they are both shamans and their healing practice to help others overcome their traumas. For the full story, please refer back to part one of this series, but otherwise, please enjoy the rest of this conversation. So we took a little sidetrack there, but we had to, to talk about this aspect of putting all these pieces together and that this happened for a reason. So now it's February and we're going to start these um, classes with Alberto to begin the shamanic training. And these classes This are, is after Colorado, after yes. Utah, after Peru. Right. Okay. Because the accident was in July and then um, Colorado was, I'm sorry, and Colorado was basically August and then um, Utah was November mm-hmm. and then Peru was you know, just right after Christmas, Christmas January. Okay. And, and then so, February. So now it's Fe- January was the sentencing. And so now it's February. And so these classes were like eight days long and they were being held at this, um, Indian, um, Indian reserve center out in California. So it was sacred Indian ground, but there had been uh, a reserve center set up there so that people could come in and do these types of this type of work there. Mm-hmm. And so, we were a little behind because we'd only gotten a shortened version for the first section of the class for the south direction. This was the west direction. And so we were spending some time in the evenings working with um, Alberto and the assistant teacher to help us get caught up. And so we were, it was late in the evening and we were in this, this large log cabin that they were holding the classes in. And um, I was practicing on sensing energies on this person that was laying down. And all of a sudden, I felt this rush of energy, and I just I kind of pulled my hands back. And the next thing I remember is Alberto saying, "Rick, you got to get up. You got to move. You have to move." So what I had saw was Rick and I both were next to each other, kneeling on the ground, sensing energies on this person who's laying on the floor. And as I looked up, there was a window on the wall. And I saw a bolt of lightning and I thought right away, I'm like, oh, we're going to have a thunderstorm. You know, being from Wisconsin, we're so used to thunderstorms. So, but the realization that we were in, you know, California then popped in my head and I'm like, it never rains in California. So it can't be a thunderstorm. So then the next thing I noticed, there was a bolt of um, flash in the room, it got brighter, and I see Rick taking his hands off of the gentleman, you know, and putting him on his hand on his lap. And then I saw there were they had these incandescent track lighting um, in the room, and I noticed one started flickering. And then I'm I'm just kind of like sitting there, kind of watching it all unfold, and I'm seeing the the helper, you know, motion to Alberto, get over here, you need to help Rick. And so um, in the meantime, one light starts flashing, another one starts flashing, and now Alberto's telling Rick, stand up, you need to stand up. The uh, spirit of lightning wanted you, and he went into your body, and if you don't move, you're going to be paralyzed. So you need to stand up. And by now... The track lighting is all flickering. There had to be at least eight of them. If I had, okay, it was 
it was now the year 2000, we had flip phones. I didn't have an iPhone to videotape it, but <laughs> it was something. It was like a strobe light. It was like a disco. And um, and eventually, I think it took about, Rick, five, ten minutes to stand up. But um, he started um, doing his basic form. Alberto um, said, you're in Taekwondo, do your basic form. If you don't move, that energy will get in your joints and it will paralyze you. The lightning strike. The lightning strike struck him. Yeah, and in a room was, full of people inside of a building. Right. Yeah, it was. It wasn't a literal lightning strike. It was the spirit of lightning, is what Alberto told me the next day. But it was a flash of light. Oh, it yeah. was lightning. It definitely looked like lightning yeah. outside. Yeah. Wow. Because it was dark, of course. So it was just bolt, a flash of light outside. And then it flashed inside. Inside. As well, and then you know all these these track lights are all strobing and so eventually i got up and started to move and as i was doing these forms i could just feel these waves of energy coming off of me every time i moved and moved around and um we i don't know how long i lost all track of time during this process but um eventually he told me to go outside and ground some of the energy so i went outside and was just you know, and touching the ground kneeling on the ground and i could just feel all this energy just running through me just coursing through me and so he asked me, do you know what happened? I said, I have no idea. He says, okay. We said, well, we'll talk about it in the morning. So it's like, get some sleep and we'll get talk some in sleep. The morning. And so um, Beth and I were staying in a cabin. So I was pregnant in August. So now I'm showing I'm pretty pregnant. And we get back into the cabin and I'm trying to sleep next to him. And I'm like, I had my belly towards him. And eventually I was like, I can't even face you. I said, there's so much energy coming off of you. I'm getting nauseous. So I turned away you from him. You could sense it. I could sense it. Yeah. So he get, he's like, I can't sleep. So he's like, I'm going to build a fire. Now it's, we're in California. It's February. I'm like, okay. It's the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. I'm like, great. It is a little chilly in here. Well, I wake up again and the, He's building this fire, and it's huge. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, now I'm sweating. Please go outside. Just go somewhere else and let me And take all that energy with you, please. (laughs) Yeah, so I did. I went outside, and it was um, really an amazing experience because it was like all of my senses were heightened. I could feel, I could sense the energies in the forest, the animals, everything that was around, and it was... Uh, as if I was in tune with all of that stuff. I could pick all of that up. And so I think I only slept a couple hours that night. Um, But then the next day, Alberto explained to us that it was the spirit of lightning that came and and hit you. And he said, in the traditional shamanic culture that we, that the shamanic cosmology that we're working in, there's three ways that you can traditionally be called to be a shaman. One of them is to... um, heal yourself from uh, some type of an illness Um, you can have this major occurrence in your in your life a major event take place a disastrous event um, or you can be struck by lightning and so he said you have been called to be a shaman and so then did you know that prior to that that was one of the the signs of the telltales no i did not and so two nights later it happened again Wait, what happened again? I got struck by lightning. The same thing happened again two nights later. Um, Alberto wasn't there. These other There was other people that were there. They had heard about what happened because there was only a handful of people that were there. 
Um, and so it happened again, and they're trying to hold me down, and I'm like, no, I got to get up, I got to get up. And I we kind of joke about it, saying, I guess I didn't get the message the first time, it had to happen again. <laughs> you needed it twice to get it through your thick skull, right? Right. Um, but but what's fascinating about that is, so you are a shaman in mm-hmm. past lives. You get the call. Yep. I mean, now you're you lose your kids. You you're healing yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's one, and you're struck by lightning twice and it's this and no one else knows that this is like part of the plan right but it's happening right and i can imagine that this is a completely rare occurrence that if this is the spirit lightning isn't like oh my gosh it happened to joe friday and now you know this is probably something that's incredibly rare he's never seen it before he said he has seen lightning strike and people get hit by lightning when he was doing his travels in peru you know and the shamans immediately take that person and begin the process of making them an apprentice to be a shaman but mm. he said he's never seen or heard of the spirit of lightning coming in and getting somebody mm. hitting somebody so my ability to see and sense energy um, changed dramatically from that it's just exponentially increased my ability to see and sense energy I mean we kind of talk about it it that experience literally changed me at a cellular level. There's things I was allergic to before that I'm not now. There's new things I'm allergic to. I can't drink alcohol anymore. I mean, it just it affected me at on a lot of different levels. And permanently. It wasn't like oh, for yeah. two weeks after. This is a, the way you are now. Yep. And you have white hair. And I have white hair. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, we continued down the shamanic path and continued to go through these classes and we um, continued trying to put ourselves back together and uh, these shaman classes were over the period of two years um, they were um, four of them over the course of two years and in California in California and um, by the time you were done it was called healing the light body so by the time you were done you learned a wide variety of shamanic healing techniques but you also did your own healing that's part of the process with uh, shamanism is in order to be a healer you have to first heal yourself so we were going through that process to heal beth was more or less along for the ride at that point because she joke i was hanging on to his shirt tails i'm like i don't know what to do just hanging on to hang out with rick exactly um so the first one that we you know we had the short weekend and then we had the the west direction which was in february and beth is pretty far along at this point from a pregnancy standpoint so i wasn't able to travel any further no but you continued on with classes well yeah we that was later on but so we got to talk about gabe showing up so we um beth found uh a doctor it was a female doctor and we had told her about our story and well she also knew because she, she was knew, in the madison area she knew she was in the madison area so she knew about it and she she knew about our story and she was very um very diligent very considerate you know she was um very aware of what we had gone through and was trying to do whatever she could to make sure that this um birth would take place there wouldn't be any issues with it she said to me she said i'm making sure this baby is in your arms because she wasn't even supposed to be on call that day right when i went into labor and 
Lo and behold, she showed up and she right. said, you lost two babies. I am putting a baby in your arms. Oh, bless her heart. So Good. it was really busy that night. And, um, and so she came in on her time off uh, to kind of help watch. And so Beth's delivery progressed along and then it stopped. You know, it just, it stopped. And um, she had certain monitors in there, was watching, and, you know, I'm just watching her and watching Beth, and she's watching, and all of a sudden she just gets up and says, okay, that's it, we're going to go do an emergency C-section. And it was like somebody had un unleashed a tiger. She could not get people to move fast enough to get Beth out of there and into the operating room. And so they did an emergency C-section, and what they found out is that the umbilical cord had wrapped itself around Gabe's neck, and that if he would have progressed further with the delivery process, he would have died in the process. Mm -hmm. So that was Saturday, the day before Mother's Day. And so... Another angel in your life, or yep. your kids intervening yep. and, and nudging. So Beth was able to fortunately not have a mother's day without a child most yeah. definitely yep. yeah so i was busy yeah. having people visit me on mother's day you know because you're but just hours into being a mom again correct right right mm. so you know we've had two more kids since then you know we have two boys and a girl um and we were involved with raising them at that point and, extremely involved right and so i've learned to i joked with people <laughs> I i've learned to listen to spirit and my wife and i stay out of trouble <laughs> well you know i mentioned earlier i have dreams and I, I i have dreams and they tell me to do things in fact when um so we had gabriel and then within 16 months i'm now pregnant with benjamin and we always joke, I'm like, I know how to get pregnant. I'm not sure how that even happened. <laughs> so after now they're born, it's two boys. I'm still mourning and I'm taking care of these little babies. And I say to my friends, I'm like, I am not going to have another child for a while because this is way too much. And so um, all of a sudden one morning, it was in November, probably it was in uh, 2003, I woke up and I said, we're not supposed to wait. We're supposed to have another child. And he's like, okay, I'm on it. I'm like, and he's so you like, had another dream with that message? <laughs> I did. They told me you have to have, it's time to have another child. And um, so Rick Rick's was, like, I'm the man for the child. It's so funny because it's like, this is our fifth child. This is the one that we actually, we just even tried to get pregnant. Right. So by the end of November, literally, did I think it took three weeks, I'm pregnant. That and one over, like you said, one over, working overtime. Work, working overtime. And so then I was like, oh, my gosh, I really hope this is a little girl because, you know, I lost Jessica and I just want my little girl, you know, back. And so then I had another dream and it was just a white screen. But from the upper right corner, I'm handed a baby and I'm like, and in my dream, I say, oh, I have my baby girl back. So I wake up and I'm like, Rick, it's a girl, it's a girl. And um, it was so cool because I was like, just ecstatic. So then, of, of course, when you go to have your ultrasound to find out the sex, I'm like, oh, this better be a girl. Otherwise, my <laughs> dreams are for shit, right? Right, right. <laughs> well, it was. <laughs> then we had Grace Jessica mm. in August. So mm -hmm. 
I love it that you're not only in tune with your dreams, that you can remember them, but you trust them. I, uh, yeah, I don't definitely trust them. It was interesting, too. There's one dream, you know, you can add this if you want to, um, that I had had um, probably er- years earlier. And I had a dream with uh, one of my girlfriends, and I was told, I heard uterus is failing. And I thought it was for my one girlfriend because she was in the dream. And so it stuck with me because it was very odd, uterus failing. Um, so I put it out to spirit and I said, let me know if I should tell her because otherwise I, you can misinterpret your dreams. Well, within two weeks, she tells us as friends, she's like, oh, I just went to the, my OBGYN and I'm totally fine. So it's like, okay, it's not for her. So after... Um, I still hung on to that thought, uterus is failing. But after I had Gracie, a year later, I had to have a hysterectomy. So as we were having, you know, as I'm sitting there, I'm talking with Rick and the nurse is listening to me and I'm saying to Rick, I'm so sorry, Rick, that that I'm taking us away from the family. I'm thinking I'm doing this just to get rid of my period, you know, so I don't have to, my cycle, so I don't have to be bothered with it. Um, And the nurse says, or this was after surgery. She said, actually, she said, your uterus was the size of a, or your uterus had endometriosis of the uterine wall lining. Your uterus was calling for so much blood during your cycle, it eventually would have killed you. So guess whose uterus was failing? Yours, not your friend's. Correct. And so they were like, you have to have grace now so that before the uterus fails. Was Grace born early then, another C-section? We chose to have our children C-sections because Gabriel was a C-section. And then I was pregnant within uh, 16 months with, you know, nine months. And then it was like, they're 16 months apart. So everything I had did research on was I could lose, my uterus could rupture, and I could die, and Ben could die. So we chose to have C-section with Ben. Yes. And then after that, I was just like, we're just going to do another one. Yes. Just to be safe. Medically, it makes total yeah. sense. Correct. Yes. Okay. So in 2014. Yeah. Yeah, 14. 2014. I wake up. Yep. <laughs> and Beth <laughs> says, I had a dream. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> It's like, what? I'm like, it's time to write our book. And he's like, okay. He's like, I said, I don't remember really what it was about, but it's time to write the book. And so this was, you know, 14, 15 years after the accident. The accident was in 1999. And we had that experience about the chicken in the basket. And we knew at some point we were supposed to write a book. So now it's 2014. We're supposed to write a book. And so we're like, okay, what do we do next? Yeah, what do we do? We can't write a book, <laughs> right. you know? Right. I mean, plus to digest everything that we went through and say. to put it on paper. Yeah, um, yeah. so we, I re- reached out to one of my favorite authors, and she emailed me back, and she said, um, no pun intended, but you really need a ghostwriter. And um, she goes, but actually, that's kind of funny. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that was pretty good. That is pretty good. So we we started on this hunt for a ghostwriter. Well, how do you find a ghostwriter? You start Googling, right? <laughs> and lo and behold, all of a sudden, I was talking with a friend of mine, and she's like, well, I know a ghostwriter. 
I have a very good friend who used her as a ghostwriter. She wrote her book for her, and she now actually has it as a small movie. And I'm going to be talking to her soon. So I will find out the information for you, right? So um, I'm waiting, pins and needles, waiting and waiting. Finally, my girlfriend calls back, and she's, I'm like, so what? Anything? She goes, no, I haven't even seen her. And I'm like, okay, well, tell me more about this book. Tell me more about your friend. So within, um, by my computer, within five minutes of Googling everything she was saying, I knew more about her friend, (laughs) even her friend's last name, which she didn't even know. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she used this Andrea Cajun as a ghostwriter. So I was like, well, thank you. (laughs) Like, oh my God, here it is. So we emailed, you emailed Andrea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we emailed her and asked her if she'd be interested in this, and then she responded back and said, "Yes, she definitely would be interested in meeting with us to, you know, find out more about it and see if there was a fit or not." And she said, "Actually, it's kind of funny." She said, "I normally um, move from one project to the next and don't have any delays." She said, "But nothing has shown up for several weeks, and you guys just all of a sudden are here." So, again, right? Again, a synchronicity for you. So, we. Uh, she lived in California, so we were going to fly out to California for a weekend to spend time with her, begin to tell her a story, and see if everything was would fit. And so Beth and I drove down to the Milwaukee airport, and as we're driving in, there's like almost, this was Thursday, Friday morning. Friday morning, we were going to fly, fly out, and there's almost no cars in the parking lot. We're like, this is really strange. This is the Milwaukee airport. Why would there be no cars and almost no cars in the parking lot? And we walk in there in the place and it's literally almost empty. There's hardly nobody in the airport. At Mitchell. At mm-hmm. Mitchell International Airport. And we're like, what is going on? And we look up at the flight screens and all you see is cancel, 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 cancel. Everything is canceled except for like five flights. Yeah. We have a picture of that too. And ours is one of the five flights Going to Phoenix. not canceled. Uh-huh. And what we found out later on that happened is that down in Chicago at the air traffic control center, somebody committed suicide, but they let them put themselves on fire. And it they shut down the air traffic control center for Chicago, which basically because controls. Because he put himself on fire right, inside the... Inside the building. Inside the... And so traffic. they shut down the air traffic control center, which basically shut down all the traffic in the Midwest except for certain flights and with a direction that they were going. And ours was one of five, four or five flights. That was leaving Milwaukee. That wasn't canceled. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. And so we, you know, we flew out and uh, we met with Andrea, talked with her on Friday, and then um, she came to pick us up the next morning at the hotel. And she's like, I got to tell you this story. She said, I, you know, she said, so far I'm really fascinated by what you guys have talked about. I think this is going to work, but... She said, I woke up early and I was in my kitchen and and her house was up in the hills. Okay, it wasn't in the city itself. It was up in the hills. And she's like, I got up early and I'm in the kitchen and I hear this noise um, just outside my patio door. And I look and there's two owls sitting on my gutter right outside my patio. Huge owls. They were big owls. And she said, we don't have owls here. And she said, I just stood there mesmerized watching them and they just looked at me. And she said they were there for probably almost 10 minutes just watching me. And we were looking at each other. And eventually one flew away and then the other one flew away. And she's like, I know they were your kids. And they were telling me to write this book. 
She's like, so we're going to write this book. <laughs> I love it how your kids are just on the other side, just constantly right. working for you. Right. Yep. Yeah. Two worlds, one family. Right. Yeah. So it basically took us over the course of about a year. I mean, we've been several trips out there to tell her our story. And then she began to do the writing. And then, you know, we would go back and forth and, and go through the um, proofreading process and putting everything together. And she said, well, we, what are we going to call it? And what are we going to call the book? And she's like, the title's out there somewhere. You know, it'll just. She said, "I feel it's it's written down somewhere." Right. Uh, so yeah, we just kind of went around. We got back home here. Month passed, and I was going through just old papers, and from when we had back when the kids died in 1999, and we were traveling to New Mexico from Colorado to New Mexico to see my parents. We had visited a lot of mediums, and one had did some um, automatic writing for us. And so I was reading the message that she had written, and um, I actually should get it and read it to you. Uh, do you mind if I read no, it to please, you? No, please, go get it. Yeah. Can, I was going through some paperwork, and then eventually I found this um, piece of paper that one of the mediums had, had used or was reconnecting with Joshua, and so she wrote. When did she write this? This was probably in September. September. 1999. Shortly after the accident. Correct. Yeah. So it, she wrote, and she was saying, this is from Joshua, okay? Uh, we are constantly in your presence. We will become clearer to the point you will not only hear us, but see us. Converse with us as if we are embodied. We will provide guidance for you both. She has in parentheses both, for you both, and Gabriel. Within three months, Mom so this has got, she's got Gabriel's name. Because I think we told her we were right. going to name Gabriel, our baby Gabriel. Okay, sorry. But you weren't even pregnant yet. I was pregnant. Yeah. Okay. This was. was September, yeah. Okay. So I'm, wow. we must, yes. Sorry. Um, so we will provide guidance for you both and Gabriel. Within three months, Mom, you will channel. Dad, you will first be healed, and then you, you will heal others. The purpose of our death, in quotes, will be revealed. Live your lives to the fullest. We never left you. Okay, there's a lot in there. There's a yeah. lot in there. I mean, that's not just a, a quick snippet of a message. It's you, it, it, both of you, right. with healing, and it's it's the title of the book. Right. It's correct. They're with you. Right. Yeah. Wow. So when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I called Andrea. I'm like, I found the name of our book and it's We Never Left You. Yes. And she's like, perfect. I knew it was somewhere. And she even knew that it was written yeah. somewhere. Yeah, that's what she had said. Uh, so many pieces of the puzzle. And right. so we wrote the book because at this point we had come to realize that that accident happened to put us in a position to be able to help others. You know, whether it's through energetic healing or whether it's through hope, uh, you know, for people that have lost or people that haven't lost, but just are able to see you can go through tragedy, you can go through destruction and still put your life back together and move forward. And so we wrote the book for all of those reasons. And it just continues to show up. There's people that will, you know, 
show up at funerals with the book for people or they'll hand it over and it's just to us it's just amazing that this book has such an impact um when we were going through the story with andrea you know to us it was just a story it just i kinda, thought it was hell i was yeah. like okay this, what are you going to do with this because it, i lived it and i felt that it was i didn't think it was inspiring and what did she say she said, this is an inspiring time. You lived an inspiring life. I said, what? Not at all. Yeah, from your perspective. From my perspective, hell. it was awful. Just sad, right? Right. Yeah. And so we have have three kids, two boys and a girl, and we've continued to move on, and we help people when we can and how we can. We technically have five kids. Yep. Mm -hmm. Three more. Correct. Yeah. And I can imagine just the personal journey of finally coming to the realization that, okay, we have to do use this to help others. We have mm -hmm. to use this even if it hurts. No matter how deep the wound is, you have to like find strength Correct. from it and find purpose from it. It was a way for us to honor our kids. Mm. Because and you knew this is what they wanted. Right. Mm -hmm. Or what they were directing you towards or right. nudging you towards. Right. Definitely. You know, and also to hear that you should have died. You know, in the accident, I mean, that does put a, kind of a lot on your shoulders. Like, okay, so what are we supposed to do? Yes. Yeah. So your life is now a miracle. Correct. Yeah. Most right. definitely. So from all of this, now you are both shamans, and you are able, through the book and through your shaman healing practice, able to help so many people. Mm -hmm. How does shamanism help others heal through their own trauma? So from a shamanic standpoint, there's a luminous energy field that surrounds the physical body. And that luminous energy field contains the blueprint of who you are and what you are. And when there are disruptions in that luminous energy field, it changes you. And those changes can manifest physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. Those changes are caused by a dense energy imprint. And it's that dense energy imprint that shifts your own luminous energy field and creates those changes. That dense energy imprint is caused by a trauma. And that trauma could have occurred in this lifetime. It could have occurred in a previous lifetime and you're bringing it forward. Could be the results of energies that are being directed at you, whether consciously or unconsciously. And occasionally it's the results of energies that are passed down from mother to daughter or father to son. And what you do throughout the shamanic healing process is you work to clear out that dense energy imprint so that that energy of that trauma no longer informs you and causes you to act and react in different ways. By clearing out that dense energy imprint, it allows your own luminous energy field to return back to who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be. And so the beauty and power of the shamanic healing is you're working at that energetic level you're working at that level that's way be way below you know physical or mental or emotional type counseling or healing and there is value in doing that but the analogy that i i tell people about is that you think about the Mississippi River as it empties into the Gulf of Mexico, it's miles wide and it has all this force behind it from all of that water. Trying to change the course of the river at that point would take an enormous amount of energy and you would only cause just a slight shift. 
That's what it can be like working at the physical or mental or emotional level. But if you go all the way back upstream to where the Mississippi River first starts, you can literally step across it. Mm -hmm. And to make a small change in the river at that point wouldn't, wouldn't take a lot of energy or effort, but it'll have a significant impact because that small change there might cause that river to go into Texas instead of Mississippi. And that's what it's like working at that energetic level because you are so far upstream, you can create with a small amount of energy, you can create significant changes that can have impacts on physical, mental, and emotional and spiritual well-beings. So are you able to manipulate somehow that luminous energy field? You're not manipulating it. What you're doing is you're clearing out that dense energy imprint. Um, it's like taking a white piece of paper and putting a black mark on it. You've changed that paper now because that black mark, that dense energy imprint is on it. So the paper is different. But if you come in and you erase that black mark, the paper is now back to white in its original form. And that's what the shamanic healing techniques allow you to do is to clear out that dense energy imprint. And how are you able to do that? So there's a number of different shamanic techniques that take place that you can utilize, but the essence of it is basically one of your seven chakras is more affected by any of the other ones by whatever this trauma is. Can you go through the seven chakras for the listeners that don't sure. know what they are? There's seven chakras. The first chakra is located... Um, The best way to describe it is it's located down where your pubic bone would be, mm -hmm. okay? Second chakra is located uh, right near your belly button. Third chakra is located by your solar plexus. Fourth chakra is located by your heart, middle of your chest. The fifth chakra is your throat. Sixth chakra is your forehead. Um, and the seventh chakra is the crown of the head. And from the shamanic standpoint, what these chakras are is they're the connection point between that luminous energy field that surrounds your physical body and your own physical body. Those chakras are like a funnel with the large part of the funnel being about four or five inches off of your physical body. And the, the narrow point of the funnel connects into your nervous system inside your body. And so these traumas that occur will typically affect one of those seven chakras more than the other. And the chakras normally spin clockwise, but if they're affected, they slow down or they even stop spinning or spin backwards counterclockwise. And so what you do through the process is you take a stone from uh, the shaman's medicine bundle and you open up whatever chakra is affected and put that stone on there. And what the stone does is it helps to draw out those dense energies from the luminous energy field, it helps to clear them out. And you do this process inside of sacred space. That's one of the things the shaman does before they start a healing process. What that sacred, they open up sacred space. And what that sacred space does is it helps to thin the veil between the energetic world and the physical world. And that makes it easier for spirits, spirit guide, loved ones to come in and um, help you and do the work they need to do on your behalf. And so by doing this work inside that sacred space and putting that stone on the chakra, that stone is what helps to combust that dense energy to clear them out. Um, people will 
Sometimes people will fall asleep. Sometimes they don't feel anything. Sometimes they may tremble slightly as the energy is released. Sometimes they will see things, hear things, feel things. You know, everybody's different. Um, that's the basic shamanic healing technique. And the shaman is there to hold that sacred space. The shaman is also there to tap into the energy of that trauma and see if they can track it back to the original source of the wounding and give you any information or insight they can about that. Because that original wounding may have occurred multiple lifetimes ago, but you're still being affected by it. Because that luminous energy field is that part of you that remains when you pass. The physical body goes away, and the luminous energy field is what moves on. And when you come back into a new lifetime, that luminous energy field is reattached to your new physical body. And so if you don't clear those traumas out, they continue with you from lifetime to lifetime. When we had done our group healing, mm -hmm. I asked you how big this luminous energy field is, because mm -hmm. I'm always thinking that the soul is inside, within mm -hmm. the confines of your physical body. But how did you describe it to me? The luminous energy field is basically about the width of your outstretched arms, and it can move in and out depending upon what you're doing with it. Um, and it goes above your head and also down underneath your feet a little bit, and it goes all the way around you. So it's this luminous energy field. People often ask, well, isn't an aura? Is that what you're seeing? And it's not. There's a difference between the auras and the luminous energy field because a very gifted shaman is able to see your luminous energy field and see the traumas in there and be able to tell you what happened and why and how that affects you. They can read not only the physical effects that had occurred, but also how the emotions are affecting you and why you're repeating the same thing over and over again. I like what you just said, because that's almost a segue into how that energy can impose physical ailments or disease. Can you discuss that a little bit? Because that part, I think, is something that most people aren't even aware exists. So we talk about how these um, dense energy imprints can affect you physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. And so you don't know how that imprint is going to manifest itself because you're at that energetic level and everything grows out from there. So I've had people come to me saying, you know, I just, I've always had issues with my back or my shoulder or this hurts or that hurts or whatever. And you go through the healing process and figure out it's a trauma from this. In some cases, it could be that that was a result of one of your deaths in the past, and that's how you died. Maybe you were stabbed or shot or, you know, something fell on you, whatever it might be. And that's where that physical injury in this lifetime is being activated because sometimes these traumas can go from several lifetimes without being activated that energy um, it may not affect you in every lifetime but for whatever reason in this particular lifetime it's being activated and what i've come to believe is that people that come to see us for healing are really there because this is the lifetime that they need to deal with that particular trauma. And that's why they have this ailment uh, for whatever the case might be. And because now there is somebody that's capable for them to be able to work on it and to help clear it out. It's like finally the, you find the healer, the healer finds the patient. Yep, the healer <laughs> finds the patient, but it's also this lifetime where they're ready to deal with that trauma and the effects of it. 
uh, I think on your website it has the definition of a, sh a shaman as someone who sees in the dark. They see in the dark, or the another traditional definition as a shaman is one that walks in both worlds. Mm -hmm. Walks in the physical world and the energetic world. In the traditional sense, the shaman was the person that you went to for healing before there was modern medicine. The shamans, because there's a lot of different avenues of shamanism. Some of them are really focused on plant medicine. Some of them are focused on divination. Some of them are focused on just healing. Some of them are focused on um, other energetic aspects of trying to hold things together. And so the shaman was the one you went to to get yourself healed. The shaman was the one you went to to find out why you broke your leg. The shaman was the one you went to to help you find your lost llamas. And so that was the role of the shaman. 75% um, of the world's cultures are shamanic based. And there's evidence of shamanism in caves in France from 50,000 years ago. So 50,000 years ago predates us as a species. We were not Homo sapiens at that point. So this aspect of this connection with spirit and this aspect of shamanism predates us as a species and has continued to follow through with us as we grow as a species. And I love that because there's so much history and it's passed down generation to generation. Right. Right. This is probably an oral tradition that they're In most taught. cases, it's oral tradition, yes. Yes. And, and it's holding true. Right. Something like that with that kind of longevity in history doesn't just wash away because, you know, the society is different at that time, but right. it holds its value because it works. And it also evolves. Um, and it's interesting to see how there's been this shift recently, when I say recently, the last 10, 15 years from more and more people are becoming interested in energetic work or right. this connection with spirituality and the traditional shamanic culture is now being also integrated into us as modern societies and so you're finding that now there's modern day shamans you know they're not the ones that live on the edge of the village and you go to for for you know to find your llamas or anything else but it's a resource for society to use because they're understanding that there's other avenues besides traditional medicine most and i don't mean to offend anybody but if you really look at most medicine it's not there to cure it's there just to mitigate what is there. Mass or like treat the symptoms, but treat never the symptoms. find the cause and actually right. heal the patient. Right. Um, and so you you'll see that a lot, and it's for what you you can come to your own conclusions for why it's driven that way. But from a energetic standpoint, you are when you're out of balance, you have that's when you create um, when disease is created. And it's dis-ease. You're not at ease. And so there's disease that's created. You're out of balance. And that's what that dense energy imprint does in your luminous energy field. It creates that imbalance. And so the shaman is there to help bring yourself back into balance. Would you consider yourself one of those modern-day shamans? Um, I would say yes. I've been fortunate enough to understand that I've been given some tremendous gifts with the the spiritual lightning and the direction. Um, our kids, Jess and Joshua, help with my healings. Mm -hmm. They help not only me, but the people that I'm doing the healings on have seen our kids. Um, you know, I've got connections with um, Native American 
Indians that have passed that I've helped them to cross over. Now they come in and will help me with the healing. So there's a lot of energetic, luminous beings that have stepped in to to help. Um, and from the shamanic standpoint, you know, when a shaman calls, spirit answers. But it's a double-edged sword because when spirit calls, the shaman has to answer. Mm-hmm. And Beth and I have been put in several, many times we've been put in positions where it's like, okay, we know we're supposed to be here, but we have no idea why. And all of a sudden, the, the, the reason that we're supposed to be there shows up, and it's because spirit wanted us to do something or to help something or somebody or help that land to heal. And so it, it works both ways. And so I would consider myself a modern-day shaman because I've been involved in the business world for a long time and in, in all those aspects, but I've always tried to incorporate aspects of shaman and shamanism into that as well as how I approach all of that. One of the things I learned from you also was that energy healing, it's not bound by space or time. Correct. And you're able to almost like um, bridge that gap between the physical world, the spiritual world, the energy world, and somehow, I guess, tie it in and, and help the energy come through. Right. Is that what you would call it? To work with the energy on the within the physical plane? So over half of my healings are done remotely. I literally do healings all over the world. Um, so energy is not limited by time or distance. When you create that sacred space, you're stepping into a space that isn't really connected with the physical. And that allows you to connect with that energy and to do that healing. There are shamans that are gifted enough to be able to cross over to the, to journey to the other side, to the spirit world and to find to work with souls that have passed that need healing and to bring back that energy of that soul and to work with it to do the healing here and then return it to help it with its process that it has to go through on the other side as it passes on. That's part of the training you learn how to do from a shamanic standpoint is to make that journey into the spirit world, but also through through specific training, you learn how to connect with those spirits that have crossed over and to learn to work with them and heal them as well. And you offer several different types of healing. Can you go through? Yeah, there's different types, types of healings have. depending upon what's needed. The, the one that I described is the base healing, which is called an illumination. Um, the other one that comes up a lot is actually called a soul retrieval. And so from a shamanic standpoint, Sometimes what happens is when that trauma is so severe, there's that luminous energy field. um, There's a portion of that luminous energy field that can't deal with that trauma. And it breaks off and goes and hides. And that part of you that breaks off takes with it gifts and energies that are no longer yours because they left. And it also creates an energetic contract that is detrimental to you from that time forward. And so that that piece of your energetic body goes and hides. It returns to Mother Earth because it wants to feel safe and protected. And so what the shaman is able to do is go through a process called a soul retrieval. They're able to go find that soul part, make sure the soul part wants to come back, and then go through a process to bring that soul part back and to help the the person they're working with integrate that soul part and those energetic gifts back into their life. There's a destiny retrieval, which is where you... Let me ask you something, if you don't mind backing up. The soul retrieval, would that have been something that you both experienced through the trauma of the accident and losing your kids? Is that part of... We did. Yeah. 
we did. Um, there was a person that we started to work with, uh, a shaman that we found in the Madison area that we started to work with right away, and he was gracious enough to work with us. And it was it was really interesting because he agreed to do soul retrievals for us, and he started to do the soul retrieval on Beth, and he started the process, and he stopped, and he said, I can't do this. He said, you two are both so connected, I got to do them both at once. So uh. we both had to lay down side by side, and he did both soul retrievals at the same time. He's a very gifted shaman. And that was one of your first experiences with shaman, to heal yes. your own trauma? <laughs> That was. And then through the course of our own training with going through the healing, the light body, you do your own healing work. That's how you become a healer. That's how you build your medicine bundle is you do your own healing and you work through that process so that then you can work to help others. You have to heal yourself first and then you can heal others. Okay. So what was the next one that you started in that I cut you off? So one of the other... Uh, healing techniques is called a destiny retrieval and it's similar to a soul retrieval but what it does is it allows you to move forward in the evolution of an individual and bring back a piece of that energy and implant that seed now so why how a destiny retrieval is used is if somebody is trying to develop themselves into becoming something else or to change something else you the shaman will journey forward to find that developed self that, of that person of what they're becoming. Take a piece of that energy and bring it back and implant it into the person's energy body now. So what that does is it accelerates the process. So rather than having them go through all of the evolution and trying to continue to grow, you speed up that evolution process because you brought that seed back. So the energy body knows what it needs to come into already. So it accelerates that process. That's fascinating. I didn't even know that that existed. Right. From a shamanic standpoint, time isn't linear. It's not, there's a cause and effect, cause and effect, and you have to wait for the future to occur. From a shamanic standpoint, you can, time doesn't flow in a linear fashion. So you can move forward or backwards to create healing and to bring back those parts to create healing in the present from events that occurred in the future or the past. Yes. And in my brain, from what I've studied and read, that makes total sense. But mm -hmm. for other people who haven't you know, explored that arena, that would be total Greek and not at all logical. Right. There's we talked a little bit about it as, as well. Is there's the capability if it's if the shaman is gifted enough to be able to work with those that have already crossed over, and to help them heal, to be able to um, work with that person, that energy body that's crossed over, to bring them back, do the healing on them. Now the healing technique that I talked about, the illumination, to help clear out that dense energy, to make their transition on the other side easier. Um, a shaman can also do divination. I mean, they can connect with the energies of something that you're trying to figure out. For example, I talked about one of the traditional roles of a shaman was to find the lost lamas. That's basically divination. Where did they go? So you're connecting with the energy of the, the middle world, as it's called, which is an energetic representation of this physical world. You're connecting with that energy, and you're tapping into that to find what that person is trying to get insight onto. And that can probably help people who are worried excessively about something or a future event or a past event. Can you help them overcome that um, or mental health issues with that as well? Um, so 
sometimes those issues, if somebody's really worried about something, there's a trauma that occurred that's creating that worry. So it's not necessarily a divination. I'm worried about this event happening. It, the I'm worrying about this event happening is really the symptom. What was the cause? So you go through a process of trying to um, tap into the their energy body and you energetically track to see, okay, this is what's on that surface. This is what most people are seeing, but what's creating that? So you track that energy to find if it's a, a trauma occurred and what was the trauma and how did it affect you? And then you'll know which way to help uh, deal with that, to help them clear that out. That makes sense as well. Right. What I want to add too is a lot of times when people call or you know message us for a healing, they're like, "I don't know what I need." Yes. Or I want this, and I always say, "You don't have to worry about it. You just come for a healing, schedule it, and that's all you need to do." But Spirit and Rick will figure it out what you need. Or sometimes they're like, oh, I want a soul retrieval. And you might be jumping ahead. Spirit will be like, first you need this done, and then we do this possibly next time. That's, so you I'm don't glad you, have to worry about it. I'm glad you brought that up because so many people are struggling with issues. They, they, they can feel and sense that something is wrong, but they don't know how to label it, how to compartmentalize it, to right. ask for what they need. Right. And that way you guys, you two, Rick, mm-hmm. both of you together can work with them and get them through the process that they need. Right. Um, the other aspects of uh, things that you can do from a shamanic healing standpoint is there are energies or uh, entities that will attach themselves to a person energetically. And there's different techniques you can use from a shamanic standpoint to help separate that or to, to withdraw or extract those energies or entities that don't belong um, or an energetic cord may have been connected to you from um, somebody from the past that's detrimental for you, and you can work to sever that cord to help you. So there's a variety of things that can be done. It all depends upon what was the trauma and what's needed to address the trauma. And you said either this lifetime, past lifetimes. It sounds like oftentimes you're working with past lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And it's not as if I give you information on all of your past lifetimes. It's really what you're picking up from a past lifetime is anything that's related to that trauma. Um, You know, there are people that do past life regressions and can give you all information on multiple past lives. But from a shamanic standpoint, you're really only honing in on the energy of that trauma and you get information around that. So if that occurred in a past lifetime, you get information about that trauma in the past lifetime. You don't necessarily get information about their whole past lifetime. But you're looking just to heal. And how can you heal with that energy? Mm -hmm. Okay. What about chakra energy balancing? That's part of some of the, you can do that as well as another healing technique. Sometimes people come in and their energy body is just way out of whack. Um, and you can go through the process of balancing the chakras and infusing the chakras again so that they become more stable, which helps their own energy body then become more stable and will help them. Sometimes it's just a sense of mental well-being. Sometimes it's a physical relief. Um, and so that can be done by itself or incorporated into some of the other um, healing techniques, to, okay. again, depending upon what's needed. And what about helping, do we already cover helping other uh, people who are dying cross over? So that's, there's a whole process there, the, the death rites, where you can, you work with somebody that's getting ready to cross over and you help them to prepare for that journey. 
and you help them to clear out dense energies to make that transition to the other side easier. And when they actually do um, pass over, you work to disconnect the energy body from the physical body and send that energy body on its way to make that transition process for them much easier as well. Okay. And then you also offer classes. So you do healings here one-on-one -on -one with people. Yes, and we also do, we have another location in New Holstein as well. So whichever location is closer for the person. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they don't have to be in person. They don't have to be in person. No. Which goes back to that whole, you are not bound by space and time. Correct. Right. Tell me about the classes that you offer that people can find online and, and reach out to you and actually you know, get your healing. Sure. Well, right now we are offering Zoom calls, We have, um, which last about an hour. We have three set up just in December alone. One is Journey to the Upper World, and we take a shamanic journey. Rick helps us with his rattling and his little meditation um, as he talks and really gets you in a really relaxed state, and you journey to the upper world. And you might meet um, loved ones that have crossed. You might meet your spirit guide. It's a beautiful journey. And then also we have um, a, a Zoom call called meeting your power animal so you journal journey to the lower world and i love how you talk about how um with shamans we don't discuss that the upper world is not heaven and the lower world right. is not hell and but we journey to the lower world to meet your power animal and that's really quite a wonderful uh journey and then we also have a group healing and that is like an illumination that you would do with Rick, but it is a group healing. So Rick is not able to sit there and give you, um, you know, an individual attention, but you get your own healing, your spirit guide, your loved ones that have crossed will be right there to help you, but also they might give you the information. So that is, um, we've got three set up each month and they're just an hour zoom call and they're $25. We try to keep them really reasonable. Um, we also offer a class called the medicine wheel. So that is, um, like one of the, it's the smaller version of healing the light body, like what Rick and I attended, but it is your first journey to do the South, the West, the North and the East. Each direction is a week. And, um, once we do that every, we do it four times a year. So the South would say we meet in September and we'd meet again in January, April, and then finish up in September. And then you would have, you'd be a shaman. That is a class to become a shaman? It's it, called the medicine wheel. Okay. Right. And what it does is it, it's, the medicine wheel is really designed for your own personal healing. And through the, the course of taking the medicine wheel, you learn some of the shamanic healing techniques that we talked about. You don't learn all of them um, because you need to know some of them to go through that medicine wheel process. And you do 12 of your own healings throughout that process and you create your own mesa your medicine bundle in that process and what one of the things we tell people is the medicine wheel gives you the tools for your personal healing but it also gives you those tools to enable you to connect directly to spirit you don't need a middleman at all and so you learn through the medicine wheel how to connect directly with spirit and your spirit guides and to work with them Everyone has access to all of these classes that you're offering because right. you can do them via right. Zoom. The medicine wheel right now is done in person. We're, we are going to be offering that in the future online, but it'll be a little bit. Um, we've got a couple of other courses that we're going to be putting up as well. There's going to be one about 
um, death, your relationship with death and the death rights that I talked about. Mm -hmm. That there's a, a basic energy workshop that um, we offer. It's just a one-day energy workshop where it's kind of an introduction to energy and how what energy is. And there's some individual healing that takes place. There's some of the exercises that we do help you with your individual healing. Um, there's another class we're going to be offering in the future, which talks about um, it will be a personal growth class, but it's going to incorporate some of the shamanic techniques into it. It's not going to be specifically focused only on shamanism, but it'll be uh, an aspect of personal growth using energy and some shamanic techniques. Well, that sounds interesting as well. So and, this whole podcast is about, you know, diving into that mind-body-spirit connection and mm -hmm. seeing how if you're in physical health, you can, um, you know, like become your fullest potential. And it sounds like what you are doing is healing people mm -hmm. so that they can really, you know, focus on other areas of their lives and, and help other people. And, and that ripple effect of always help, you know, paying it forward right. and then being able to focus on, um, you know, improving their, maybe their spirituality or their own personal journey, their self-growth journey. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing isn't just, multi it's, it's multifaceted. Right. You're able to help people on so many levels. Right. Well, that's really what shamanism is about. It's not just... You know, healing people or using magic rocks, as I joke about sometimes with people. It's about that aspect of your own personal growth, your own development. It's about your understanding of this energetic world that most people never even realize are there or are able to connect with. It's about expanding the aspects of spirituality that you may not have ever been introduced to. So there's a lot of different aspects with that that just help people in everyday life. Mm -hmm. For some of the listeners that are out there and they're like, okay, I have, you know, there's something off balance. Mm -hmm. Again, like you had said earlier, you don't need to know what it is. You just need to maybe be open to the possibility that you can help them. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So I mentioned it earlier. I'll say it again. I've learned to listen to spirit, my wife, and I stay out of trouble. So when people <laughs> show up saying, I don't know what to work on, but I know I need to work on something, um, spirit will guide us to help you with that. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a couple of your success stories? Because sure. I know you probably have a ton of them. There's a couple of them that help to give relate with people with some of the things that we've been talking about. There's one woman I was working with, and um, this was a, a trauma that occurred in a previous lifetime for her. And during this lifetime, she was living in a small fishing village. And this fishing village was located right on the ocean. And right behind the village, there was this cliff or ravine, and it was steep, but it wasn't so steep you couldn't walk on it. There was a path to get from the ocean to the top of the cliff. And she was returning back from being on top of the cliff, and she was beginning to make her way down this path, and she could see out over the ocean that there was this tidal wave that was coming towards the village. And she was yelling and screaming, but she was too far away and the people in the village couldn't hear her. So this tidal wave came in and just wiped out the whole village. And so she began running down the, the path to see if she could help anybody. But as she was running down the path, she realized the water was still rising, coming up the, the cliff and the ravine. So she turned around and started to run back up, but the water level rose too high, too fast, and it overcame her and she died. She drowned. And so I asked her what her relationship with water was. And she said, whenever I hear a wave machine, all I or the sound of the ocean and the waves, all I see are dead people floating in the water. 
And you were able to work with her energy field and alleviate that dense energy and mm -hmm. like release that right. trauma. Yes. Mm. Yes. As part of that. So that was the original trauma that occurred and it helped her with you know, some of the, that trauma and that fear of seeing dead people floating in the water was creating other aspects of anxiety for her. And so working to clear that out helped her with her anxiety. And I'm sure you have other stories where you're able to do that same thing and then help people with even physical ailments right. disappear. Yeah, there's people that we've worked with that have had, you know, physical ailments from the standpoint of, you know, constant pain or, you know, all of a sudden my shoulder starts hurting and I don't know why. And or um, some people have had back issues all their life and working through that process and removing dense energies or removing, um, you know, an entity or, or, or dense energies that are there helps alleviate that or in some cases eliminate it entirely. Do you have any stories about how you're able to help other people cross over? Um, like if you have a loved one or if you have, um, maybe uh, you can feel an energy somewhere that is off. Have you been able to help other people transition? From this physical standpoint, yeah, I've had the opportunity to help out several of our family members. I've helped out Beth's dad and my mom both cross over going through that process of the death rites. Um, there's, you know, I talked earlier about when spirit calls, you know, shaman answers. And so there was a number of years ago, Beth and I were asked to be involved in a weekend seminar. There was uh, five other people that were involved in it and everybody was doing their part for this seminar and we were driving out to meet with the five of us were going to meet on this person's land because that's where the seminar was going to be held and as we're driving out beth is like i don't know why we're here why we're doing this because they're hardly utilizing you to do anything at all and i said i don't know why either but i just know we're supposed to be here and so when we pulled up on the land and I got out of the car, I could just feel these waves of energy coming off the top of the hill. And they were, it was off. The energy was really off. In a bad way. In a bad way. And I said, I think this is why we're here. And so we, all of us met that we're going to be involved in the seminar. We talked and then everybody left except for Beth and I and the two uh, girls that were running it. And they were both mediums. And I said, do you mind if we take a walk up this hill? Because um, there's something not right up there. And she said, no, please do. She said, because I've been trying to clear this land and I can't. And so we walked up the hill and we got to the top of the hill and there was a meadow on the top of the hill. And as soon as I got up there, I could feel this energy here and I could see what took place. There was an Indian tribe that I used to live there um, many years ago, and the whole tribe was slaughtered. The cavalry came in with horses and killed everybody in the village. There were several hundred of them. And this whole Indian village was still there. They never crossed over. They were there because they were kind of bound to the land. They were helping to protect the land, but they couldn't leave because of that. And so I opened up sacred space and began ceremony and began to help them to cross over. And so the women and children went first and then the warriors went. And then the only person that was left was the Indian chief. And so there's a, a process you can use in the shamanic side where you allow them to co, you allow spirit to co-inhabit your body. So I allowed the Indian chief to come in for a brief amount of time and, and let him dance one last time for the land. And then the Indian chief uh, crossed over as well. 
And so then I closed up the space and I asked the two two girls who were the mediums, because I, I hadn't said the, anything to anybody. I just started the process. I said, what did you see? And they both described exactly what I just said to you. And since that time, there was one other case where I was helped Indian Indian people to cross over since that time when I do my own healing work or if I'm working with land that needs healing I can call upon these Indian chiefs and the Native American spirits will show up and help help with the healing processes that I go through because you said you're always guided by spirit yep and you have different spirits that you are able to um, ask for help or do they present themselves and they will help you both okay both. Yeah. Um, there's times if I need help clearing the land that Indian spirits will, Indian Native American spirits will show up, or sometimes there's spirits that are the spirit of the land itself shows up to help. Um, I've had several occasions where the, the spirit of Lake Michigan has showed up to help when I'm doing land clearings, and it's I can call on them, or they will show up, or they will kind of direct us to be at a place at a certain time to do something. So, Do you also sense animal and, you said plant, so you, like um, someone loses a pet or something? You can do that. Um, I don't do much with uh, plant medicine or plant, ano- you know, plant energies, but from a shamanic standpoint, it's really based in an animistic view where everything has energy, everything has a connection. And so, you know, the rivers, the wind, um, the the water, the mountains, they all have an energy and a spirit, and you can connect with that. Okay. I wanted to ask you, um, with the podcast being called Conversations to Inspire, is there any like tidbit of information or something from your own journey that you both can share to inspire others to start seeking improvement, just to lighten their load, make them, you know, start them on that journey. We've come to realize that everything happens for a reason. You don't always understand it, but it does happen for a reason. And spirit wants to conspire on your behalf. You know, all you have to do is ask. And those coincidences that occur, that person that you meet that pushes you in a new direction or the the little tidbit that you read or something that you hear about, that's that synchronicity of spirit that is working to help you understand and move in the direction that you need to do, that you need to go in. And so what we talk to people about is to be open to these signs that occur and when we're dealing with people with loss and grief it it can also carry over to people that haven't had loss but are looking for inspiration is that it's that whole aspect of understanding that there's more to this world than just what you can physically see there's more out there there is life after death there is help from the spirit side and it's this acceptance of that there's more here, there's more to life than just what's here physically. Once people begin to accept that, it allows them to look at time differently and allows them to understand that people that have passed on are not gone. They're just in a different place. You need to learn to speak their language now. You have to learn a new language and learn to understand what they're trying to tell you. We've been, have gone through the loss of our two kids. Our family was torn apart. Our life was torn apart. Um, we've been fortunate enough to have been shown these signs and to, to begin to move on. And we've gone from that process of being completely devastated to having three more kids and having them be in the state that they're in college right now and to 
still be together. I mean, we've been married for 35 years, and most couples, there's over a 90% divorce rate when you lose kids. And we have just grown closer and stronger, and it's just there are ways out of the situation you're in, and there are ways to look for help or to ask for help, and they're not always just what's physically apparent to you. Or what society says is acceptable. Correct. There are many alternatives. Yes, there are. I want to get back to, you know, how I mentioned people's faith in the very beginning, how it's like the size of a library card or a credit card. And, you know, don't let a death have to, like, rip you open to start looking into new things and to dive in and, and take a class or try to figure something out, you know, because there is so much out there. You know, look at your faith of what do you believe in? What is your spirituality faith? And not be afraid of it, but dive and take classes, Google things, and just be inspired by it. Because I don't know how anybody can be bored in this world, because there are two worlds, and you can look at both worlds (laughs) and gain a lot of knowledge and bring them both together. So increase your thoughts and your faith, your spirituality faith. That is so true. And just to be open. Right. Yes. And don't, yeah, and no judgment. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I want to thank you both so deeply for sharing your story, for being so um, just vulnerable and honest and just taking us back, you know, through your journey with us together. And just thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing. But I would also like for you to tell us how listeners can reach out to you online. Can you give us your websites, your social media, and where they can buy your book and where they can sign up for classes? Well, most definitely. So our website is um, weneverleftyou.com. And that is the name of our book. You can also find our book on Amazon, easy there, or you can find it on our website. Um, And Barnes Nobles carries it as well. Okay. The name of the book is We Never Left You. And I'll put this all in the show notes too. So there'll be links that everyone can just click on and, and find you directly. Perfect. And on our website, you can. Um, there's a spot where you can email us to sign up for our healing or for, to get more information. Correct. And the classes are listed on there as well. So excellent. Um, thank you as well yeah, for allowing us you. to tell this story. Thank you both.